is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open! Taylor is going to take this one to the house! Touchdown Bulldogs! You're listening to Ferris State's leading sports podcast. Welcome in everybody to the MVSP. Brandon Wirth, Joe Nagy, and we have a banger of an episode today, Joe. Are we like the only Ferris State sports podcast? Well, that's beyond the point, but we are the leaders. That is true. It is easy to be the leader when you're the only dog in the pack. That is true. I call it it trailblazing. That is true. Trailblazing. somebody will take the helm with us for us when we leave in in the spring. Don't make me think about that, Joe. It makes me sad. Do have a good episode for you guys today. A great one on deck. Got some Ferris State sports reviews. uh, A lot of it. Yeah, college football as well to talk about. And then for the undercover sports, we're going to talk about some pro pool action. Do you say billiards? Billiards, pool, one of the two. We can have a debate of what we should call it, too. But oh. it's going to be going. But before we get into that, we got a great interview with Izzy Zamborini, goal-scoring machine on the Fair State soccer team. Uh, Brandon, it was a good interview. It was a good interview. So let's take you to the interview. Now joining us in studio, goal-scoring machine of Fair State soccer, Izzy Zamborini joins us. Izzy, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Izzy, so good to have you on. First question for you, a goal on Friday against Saginaw Valley and a goal against Northwood uh, yesterday, Monday. That makes four goals in three games. Like you've been, at, like Brandon said, a goal-scoring machine. Can you talk about what you've been doing to just find the ball at your feet and those chances where you can capitalize in front of the net? Yeah, I mean, as a team, we've really been trying to put the ball more in the back of the net. Um, Greg's really been hammering it in that we need to get our shots on target um, so that we can put them in the back of the net. Um, So we have, we do little extra practices every week. Um, We have like an hour of free kick training and like extra shooting practice. Um, And so I think, honestly, I think that that's been helping a lot. And um, we're all getting a little more confident in front of the net. And so now we're just able we've been able to finish some more of them. So. Awesome. Yeah. And you guys have now won four of your last five on a little bit of a run here, especially at home. Just talk about uh, being able to, to get that confidence going forward now with a couple of big road trips ahead. Yeah, this is, this is definitely a different team than last year. You know, we're pretty young. So I think our road to success was going to be a little different this year. Um, we had to kind of get the freshmen ready at the beginning. We didn't start out too too good, but now we're all on the same page. We've been doing a ton of film, you know, trying to get everybody in the right positions, fixing fixing the mistakes that we've had. Um, and it's it's been working out, you know. We have been having some good results. So hopefully, uh, I think we played our best soccer in this last game. We kept the ball on the ground. We kept possession very well. So if we can continue to do that moving forward this next weekend, we should get some good results too. So. And you are a transfer coming from Bellarmine in Louisville. Uh, you know, how has that been transitioning to Ferris? You know, small town USA from you know the big <laughs> the big city lights of Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> what was that kind of like for that transition? Yeah, it was definitely definitely a transition to say the least. Um, I'm like really really family oriented so it was nice to like go to college and be 20 minutes away from my parents and have them at every game but um I think this transition has helped me grow more as a person than like I ever could have staying in Louisville so it's it's really only been good like when people ask me like do you feel like you made the right decision I'm just like yes like a hundred percent I have no regrets like I love it here so that's awesome yeah and we hear from a lot of transfers obviously a lot of different journeys uh, what would you say was one of the major things that uh, led you to take that step coming from Louisville and now all the way up here to Big Rapids yeah so my school previously was a division two school in the GLVC and then my final year there we transitioned to division one and we moved into the ASUN conference and I just honestly I don't feel like our team was really ready for that transition and um COVID gave me the opportunity to take a fifth year I don't think I would have transferred if I had only had one year so I just decided that I felt like I could find um a better fit elsewhere and my dad was really he was really kind of the um driving force of me transferring and I don't think I could have done it if I didn't have the support of my parents which was nice so yeah for sure and especially kind of like geographically wise it's a big difference but what's kind of been the biggest differences between the two programs kind of as a team and just kind of internally wise um 
I felt like Ferris is just a little bit more professional with how they are in terms of sports teams. Like you really feel like the school cares about how you're doing as a program. And I feel like they care about all the athletics programs like we all had great seasons last year athletics at ferris is like thriving mm-hmm. um just like little things like i would text my former teammates and just be like oh they wash our jerseys here for us like that's so <laughs> wow that's so nice <laughs> right, like, that's big time and here. at bellerman we didn't we didn't have a locker room so that was like greg was hesitant to show me the locker room because he's like it's really small and i was like it literally can't be worse than not having a locker yeah, room locker so better than no locker yeah room exactly <laughs> That is true, but um, obviously coming from Bellarmine and uh, prepping at DuPont Manual, and there was a unique thing I found in your bio. You played club level at the Kentucky State Olympic Development Program. What was that like? It sounds really cool. Yeah, um, so I guess every state has ODP, Olympic Development Program, um, and it's just they try to get all the best players in the state to come together and like play games, and Actually, they took us all the way over to the Netherlands. And so we played soccer against teams in the Netherlands, which that was probably the coolest thing I've ever done. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was awesome. So, yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is unique. (laughs) That's really cool. And especially, you know, Northwood had a really big breakout game for the team. Four goals, the most that we've scored so far this season. You know, how important is that for the team to finally get that breakout, to break that threshold, you know, especially the second half of the season coming up? That was huge. I mean, Northwood has won all of their games. They're like leading in their conference right now. So they're going to be pretty high in the regional rankings. So to get a win against them was huge for us. And to have like multiple people scoring in the game, you know, Bryn's goal was crucial. She got the first goal, which I think, you know, gave us all a little bit more like a breath of relief. And then Peyton with the two goals, like it was just it. It was fun, honestly. It was a it was a team effort, and we were all we were all hype. So, very good for the confidence. <laughs> it was great to watch too. Yeah, for sure. And as like uh, we would quote you really as an upperclassman, especially grade wise. But obviously, you coming in here only only a couple years ago. But uh, with a lot of the the young talent on in the forward position spot. I mean, you just mentioned mentioned Peyton Price as well. Um, just talk about the relationship you have with a lot of those forwards and what you guys do to work together each and every practice. Yeah, I mean, whenever we're struggling up top, you know, no one blames anybody. And we just come together and we're like, okay, like, what can we do? Like, what spaces are open? And um, it's really constructive. Like, we have very good dialogue on the field. It's not like we're yelling at each other and stuff. So um, I don't know. I I love playing with them. He moved Nikki May from outside back to outside forward now. And, like, I think she's been a great help up top. And it's been really fun playing with her up there, too. I did notice that at the last game. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a two-week business trip also is coming up for the team starting this weekend. Wisconsin Parkside and Purdue Northwest are going to be on the table for you. You know, what steps have you taken, especially the team, uh, to get ready for those long road trips and kind of stay locked in for, you know, a long amount of time? Yeah, you know, it, it, it definitely is a business trip. You know, we go to win games. It's obviously fun to go on these little road trips with everybody, but – um, we always say we take it a game at a time. So right now, all we talk about is Purdue Northwest and winning that game because that's the most important thing on our schedule right now. So I think um, we just keep working hard, keep practicing, and we're we're all excited to play. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, you mentioned too, like off before we kind of got on the mic, that so you have family in Wisconsin as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll all be there for the Sunday game in Kenosha because they're all up in Milwaukee, so it's only like an hour, an hour and a half. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with uh, the nature of college athletics, it does include a lot of travel. Uh, is there? Uh, what's your t- typical uh, trip pattern as far as like, do you like to do homework on the trips? Do you like to watch movies, listen to music? What's kind of the, the that go to that you can get through the road trip with? Yeah, I definitely listen to music. People laugh because they can always hear my music just blaring through my earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what is Izzy listening to? <laughs> but I listen to music. Um, I'm only taking three classes a semester, so I, I typically don't do have a lot of homework. That's so nice. I Every bring time. books with me on the bus. I read a lot and... Yeah, it's honestly kind of like it's nice to unwind and just chill on the bus for a little bit. So, yeah. do you have a pretty like vast playlist that you play, or is it kind of more like specific artists? It's it's pretty vast. I listen to a lot of different types of music. So, yeah. <laughs> well, what are a few? What are a few of the artists? Kind of toss them out there. Um, I like like 
electronic music, like EDM music. So I listen to like Odessa. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No clue. Joe's like, nah, it's yeah. not George Strait. Oh, I haven't heard of You should listen to <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Nice. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> and speaking of patterns as well, like soccer isn't really known to have the most superstitious athletes. And a couple of the athletes that we've had on, you know, they have, you know, set routines. They have to do, you know, mm-hmm. morning, noon, night, every time there's game day. Do you have any like rituals or anything that you like to do to kind of get ready? Um, I'm not personally very superstitious. I kind of do something different for every game. But I know Jesse on our team, she always puts a penny in her sock Interesting. before every game. But yesterday, it was in her shoe. Like, it fell into her shoe. So now she's like, we scored four goals. So now she's like, I have to put the penny in my shoe because we scored four goals with it in there. Oh, so, Very yeah. interesting. <laughs> but, uh, Izzy, we appreciate the time. One more question for you. I'd like to ask every athlete on the show. What's your favorite thing about being here at Ferris State and being a Bulldog? I would have to definitely say the community. Um, Just the people here are great. You really feel like love from the whole community and you feel like they want you to succeed. You know, Um, we get excited to like see our pictures after the game and all that stuff. And really one of my favorite parts is when we do like our pregame walk over to the field like the parents are just tailgating like so early and you see them and they play they play who let the dogs out as we walk by and like it's just it's just fun it's like you're excited to see everybody come out and support you. Very cool. I'm gonna say the parents get after it. Yeah, like, they, they do. Like Devoted the game. They're, fans. They're they are. After it. I'll tell you that much. It's the funniest thing. Yeah. But, Izzy, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully, you guys can really do some damage this weekend with the big road trip, and we wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you so much for having me. Special thanks to Izzy Zamberini for hopping on the show. Appreciated having a chat with her and learning more about all of these fantastic athletes we have here on Campus Joe. For sure. It's always super great to kind of get the in and outs of what it's like to be an athlete here. So that's really cool. But going to hop right into the Fair State Sports Report. Start off with soccer. Why not? A pretty solid weekend. Split or got the tie uh, with Saginaw. So we kind of split the weekend a little bit as one might say a tie is you know, it's better than a loss, but it's not as good of, as a win. And then the big 4-1 win over Northwood uh, yesterday for us. When are we releasing this episode? Be Wednesday, Wednesday, yeah. So oh, yeah, two days two ago. Two days for you guys listening. Uh, we'll start with Saginaw. Taylor two halves for this one. Really played super solid in the first half. Had her feet on the gas. Really And really was taking it to him. Had a lot of corner kicks. Had a lot of opportunities. But nothing kind of went through other than that first one. And then really we just kind of let off the gas really hard. And Saginaw just came back with a vengeance for the second half and ended at 1-1. Yeah, so they came out with a vengeance for sure is the the phrase that comes to mind. And uh, it was a really good effort. So um, I think there was really some things we could work on from this game. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think you're right, Joe. I mean, the first half, it was a tale of two halves, really. I mean, we played so well in the first half. Uh, I mean, Izzy scoring in the first five minutes, assisted by Lindsey Cole, was huge. I mean, eight shots on net. Uh, but, I mean, seven corner kicks in that first half. Seven. And mm-hmm. that next half, we had one. So that's just a tough situation to, to go through when you have all those chances. It's not getting done. And then maybe once you make those adjustments and try to get yourself in a better position when that situation arises, then it doesn't come again. That's just the nature of sports. So uh, it's an unfortunate game because I think we really were in the position to take this game for sure uh, against a really good Saginaw Valley team right now at 5-3-4 and four, uh, on the season. So I think it's definitely one that we learned from. Um, but I think it's still. I think you still go with this, and you learned a lot from it. And I think they still played very, very well. Um, and I think it really, it really showed out on Monday uh, against Northwood when we finally got that breakout performance that this offense has been desperately needing. We finally got that shots on net a little bit. Nine shots on frame out of the 24. Would have liked to kind of see a couple more just for the percentage-wise, but regardless, still a really good showing. Uh, you know, start out really solid in the first half. Three goals. It, you know, we fell to Northwood at first and with them scoring uh, to open up the whole game, but uh, – Northwood is really good in the GMAC. They're 6-2-3 and three so far. I think 5-0 and oh in the GMAC. Uh, we're a little bit less than them, but still, it was really good to kind of get a bounce-back game, I'd say, after tying Saginaw because, I mean, we've tied Saginaw, what, three out of the last four times? Seems like something it. like that. Only we It was still 0-0 last year in the playoffs, and then we lost in penalty kick, so I guess you probably you could still say it was a tie game. But to be able to kind of come out and play really well and kind of take that abilities to be able to get that get the ball in the net and get shots on frame was really important especially seeing that you know 
we just were literally in control the whole game. Yeah. And then one good thing about it too is just even when we did get scored on, you know, the offense didn't really hold up or anything. We didn't kind of like shell back at all. We really kind of took it right back to them. I don't think that's what they're ready for. And, you know, testing their goalkeeper a lot is kind of what's going to be able to get us um, some really good opportunities, especially get that moving around a lot. We had some really well-placed shots. She did save a couple that were um, pretty, pretty well done. Uh, I think her name is Andrea Everett. She yep. had some really good saves, uh, but, you know, just a couple that we were able to squeak by. was pretty good. Yeah, Northwood's a very good team. I mean, they came out really aggressive, and, and they, they were able to score. Yeah, and they, they scored in the first four minutes of this game. But, I mean, really the resilience um, – and I think the biggest thing was uh, just keeping the pedal down was absolutely huge when we finally found the net when Brindley scored uh, 25 minutes and then right within literally a minute and a second uh, Izzy found the net from Jesse Bandick. So, uh, and then it was the Peyton Price show offensively from there on out. She ended up scoring the next two goals um, with assists going all the way around uh, to a lot of the Bulldogs. So, I mean, it was really a good performance coming off of that, just that, rough second half of Saginaw. Like I said, it was a good half. It just felt rough because just some things weren't working. And that's really the crazy thing just about college athletics as a whole is it might look pretty, but it it's just not working. And that's the part, that's the, what we've seen a lot from this team offensively. I mean, we've talked about it quite a few bit, the attacking third, the attacking third. It's been the focus. And this mm-hmm. was really a game that I think really showed that. And I don't think it necessarily was from uh, just the shots. I mean, we had 24 shots in this game, which were which were huge. But I mean, the from what at least I saw um, popping on the game uh, on Flow TV for a little bit, the possession of this game was huge for this offense. Getting it into the Northwood half and keeping it constantly, constantly. It's not just all through balls. We're working the ball in through triangles in the middle of the field, getting mm-hmm. it back outside, getting crosses in the box, making another pass, getting a good look. There was so many times where this offense was clicking as far as not only just getting shots on frame, but setting up good shots to go on frame. That was a huge bonus uh, to this game. We ended up being able to to win off of that. And, I mean, really, it was a huge momentum booster now going into a weekend now where the offense is going to be feeling a lot more confident, especially against two teams we've already beaten. No, we can't beat. Yeah, and especially with the two teams that are going to be coming up, they're usually the teams that we can put a lot of goals on, and uh, we didn't really have that much success with them when they were at home, so hopefully when we get on the road, we'll talk a little bit more about that Thursday, uh, but hopefully the goal scoring keep on going. What should we talk about next, Brandon? Football? Yeah, let's go on over to the gridiron over in Finley, Mm -hmm. and it was what we expected, a really good win for this football team, 38-7 was the final in this one. We saw a lot of great things. I mean, I mean, we're just we just played really solid all the way around. I it's I mean, really it's hard to find things to talk about this team because they do everything that we want them to do. I'm sorry if, I, if you heard me laughing, but I was tweeting this game and oh yes, Finley's, Finley's announcer was just once they got down by like three scores or something like they haven't even scored. It was like thirty. What was it? Uh, it wasn't thirty-eight to zero. I think it was. It was right it was? before we finished. It was right. I was. 31 to 0. Yeah. And, and it, before the half, yep. Literally every time like Finley would have something bad, he would just like not trash Ferris, but he would be like like Sydney kind of was jarring at a guy for like holding him down. He was like, "I think they're letting Sydney talk a little bit too much. They should probably throw a flag." And then he's just like, "Yeah, see, that's just not a good play by Ferris State." And then like, he was like kind of like trying to like do backhand stuff cuz he was just getting sick of losing, and I was dying laughing the whole time. It was the funniest thing. One word scoreboard that's true <laughs> i think you're just sad because they were so good last year and then now they're like one and four no they are not a good football team this year and <laughs> Jeez, it, it's okay. really what i'm sorry they were one I, and, it's just it was they're funny because i was just like they just weren't as good as last year and you say like, yeah they're just not a good football team <laughs> they're not this is a finley's true i mean they're not super great no yeah not. finley's expectations of a football team this is not what their fans want they don't want a one and four football team they want hey, at, a least team that's found, at least we found a field that's worse than top tiger that is, yeah, Finley sharing Finley with shares a, it with a high school field. Yeah, with a high school so. field. That's not good. So, uh, Be do, that as it may. Business trip. Did it, done it, gone. Somebody's got to lose, it. and it's sure not going to be us. Sure not going to be us. I heard that so many times over the last three, four weeks that it's we've seen that, those recap that, videos yeah, it's, from I mean, the players. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty sick line one to team say. Ain't gonna, gonna one, one team going to lose, and it ain't going to be us. I, I guarantee that. And they're living it's up to hard. it right yeah. now. It was really good uh, to see Carson kind of kept it up, uh, especially with that three-yard run. Then I think he got, what, a 54-yard yeah, run 54 as well? 54-yard TD broke out. Uh, that was huge. Which was pretty sick. Uh, Tyrese got two touchdowns as well. Uh, we had a really cool kind of 
of um, double pass, and Childress kind of got did really well with that. Uh, came down with it. It wasn't like the hardest catch to make, but it was still a cool one. Kind of mm-hmm. wish it was a little the bit spin, more. Yeah, a little Whoop. bit more on the money would have been cooler. Uh, Tyrese Moss, the guy, which was pretty sick. Yes. Uh, I liked my tweet on that one. It was yes. just nice and simple. Get Moss. Get Moss. Yeah. Yes, that was a great one. I feel like that was testing the boundaries enough for him. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> just a little bit. Just pushing the. You're not like. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting on the. the I'm line. still waiting on just the go ahead. It. I'm yeah. still waiting on the go ahead to just get free reign for the Twitter. But <laughs> I could. Because here's the thing. If I'm running the Twitter, I'm half the time I'll say stuff about like the game, but I'll just do stuff that I see from the press box. Like, hey, our. Our t-shirt can is gonna kill a small child one of these times. Somebody's <laughs> gonna, somebody's gonna accidentally shoot it off. That thing's probably got way too much psi. That thing's shooting out like <laughs> seventy miles an hour. That's gonna dome a child in the noggin. Oh my god! Do you think a baby with a small part, soft, small soft part in their head, a t-shirt going at sixty miles an hour, that baby's gone. No. That baby's dead. And I, who's a lot of liability? Whoever tossed the pressure up in our. Uh, T-shirt can. Yeah, I just want to tweet funny stuff that I see. Yeah, I guess Ain't nothing to it. Yeah, I guess so. I think maybe we'll start a trend here. Give like Joe one time I saw rain. one time I saw a ref with his shirt untucked. It was kind of funny. I would have said something, but I couldn't because I don't got free reign of the Twitter. Yeah, it is true. Harrison, I know you're listening. He's listening out it. there. He'll we'll get a text later probably. But no, mm-hmm. uh, I mean dominance all the way around for this Finley game. Uh, I mean we just we just played phenomenal football. I mean 458 yards of offense. Held them to less than 100 yards total offense up y- until the fourth quarter. Yep, and, and I mean that was really when we put in third and fourth string. So those guys are all young, um, getting their opportunities. But uh, I mean big games on the ground for sure. I mean Carson Golker um, was fantastic. Shout out to him for jumping on the pod last week. Mm-hmm. You can check out that episode. I think it's the just the pod, it's just the pod effect, really. Is it's it really? Okay. I expect okay. Izzy to have at least like seven know, goals, four goals this game. weekend. Yeah, who knows? But. Uh, definitely getting better at third down. Love to see that, keeping drives alive. Um, and I think that's going to be huge, especially because mm-hmm. our defense is fantastic. Um, but when we get into a position where we can score, even if they're mm-hmm. uh, being back for a little bit, that's going to make us even more deadly. And that's really what can make us into a, a huge, huge threat um, when it comes later in the season. So uh, I think overall, like this was just a fantastic game. And I think it wasn't as probably as... It wasn't a blowout. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't Waldorf. I'll also uh, say, but I'll, going on the road, getting a big win. I will also here. say this: is Finley's punter had a legit fifteen-yard punt. Like he just kicked it straight up in the air. <laughs> that thing went like maybe fifteen yards. I don't remember seeing that, but I it believe it was their you know. first punt. He was back in the end zone, and that thing maybe got past the fifteen. Wow. Like maybe you have one job. <laughs> I was like, how how do you punt and not get to at least like the forty? But that thing, like they took over, and I was just like, how are they like? In the red zone already. Mm-hmm. That's but just... Yeah. Hate to see it for that guy. Hate to see it. So, uh, two sacks for Murph, Mr. Big Defense, time. adding to his total. He might be re- he might be record chasing. We'll see by the end of this mm-hmm. year for sure. So, uh, two tackles for loss, seven tackles for him, as well as Jamil Thomas uh, adding seven tackles as well. Uh, Connor Neer also added a sack. And I believe Vincent Cooley with another interception. I believe that's now three or four he's had on I the year. So. That man's been a monster. Um, getting some interceptions there, and as well as uh, Jacarvis Alexander got one as well um, on the defense. So, uh, I mean, huge getting turnovers, keeping the ball rolling. It's just hard to find knocks on this team. I mean, obviously, like, keep the penalties down. I mean, 83 yards on penalties is not, or 73 Uh yards on eight penalties is not pretty. Um, Still had a a fumble, but still. I mean, this team, this defense locked down, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be really well needed, especially with these next two games we got on deck. Yep, it's going to be tough. Saginaw is probably going to be a little bit more vengeance. They lost to Grand Valley over the weekend, which was kind of a tough loss for them. Uh, They were in the lead at the first part of the game, which was really great to see. But I think uh, especially just being at Lubbers kind of took a little bit of a, not a toll, but probably played a big part of that loss, I'd say, because Finley, or not Finley, sorry, Saginaw was like a really efficient offense, and they just did not look that at all. And I I don't really think Grand Valley's defense is like that, crazy to be able to hold them that much I think you're just a little bit of both Grand Valley just played well in that and Saginaw didn't play super hot but I'm really excited for this one Saginaw's gonna be a good game traveling there and then we're gonna be welcoming Grand Valley to the Anchor Bone Classic Buckle first up. time first time at Ferris since 2019 yeah since our freshman year yeah and it might be a one-two matchup at this rate mm-hmm. I feel like it will if we win if we win next week it's gonna be one-two yeah buckle your seatbelts that's all I gotta say this is going to be a heck of a football game, let me mm-hmm. tell you what. So, 
that's going to be fun. They'll obviously take on Saginaw first, and I believe Grand Valley has. Do they play or do they have a bye this week? Uh, I almost want to say they have a weird schedule this year. They have. Or they might have. They, a ha- week. they play this weekend, but you want to hear the scores from this weekend first? Yeah, this let's past have the, weekend. The X scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Michigan Tech took on Davenport in Grand Rapids, lost fifty-two to thirty-eight in favor of the Panthers on mm. that one. Northern Michigan took on Wayne State, welcoming them up into the Superdome. Isn't that what they called Superior Dome? Superior Dome. That's yeah, what it that is. one. Close enough. Yeah. Just lost the IOR. Uh, thirty-seven to thirty. Pretty close one for them. Ooh. And then Grand Valley, obviously topping Saginaw Valley. 29 to 10 in the Battle of the Valleys. I'm pretty sure Saginaw won the fundraising battle, though. So, there's yeah. that. Interesting. A win for both sides, I guess you could yeah, say. I guess so. Huh. Win for charity and a win for football. There you go. So, uh, anyway, onto the ice. It's back, ladies and gentlemen. Hockey Huge returns. for the program. So, uh, going down to Miami of Ohio. Got a split over the weekend. Pulled out a, uh, as quoted on the press release, dramatic shootout win at Miami. I watched the tail end of that game. And, uh, man, it looked like we were going to pull it out there. We were up 2-1 with an early goal in the third period. Um, and, I mean, it was just absolutely huge um, to, to, as Jacob Dirks. I, it was like the perfect scenario. Threw it on top uh, on top of the crease. Dirks was there to punch it home. And it looked like we were smooth sailing the rest of the way. And he just let up a goal in the last 54 mm-hmm. seconds. Unfortunate. Um, for uh, for that defense, but they ended up getting the win in the shootout, stole an extra point. Um, I mean Miami came out with a vengeance in the first period uh, in that Sunday game. They ended up getting the lead. We ended up pacing them the rest of the way through, but just couldn't keep up. So uh, they took the victory there. But mm-hmm. I mean, got the rest off right. That's what we always think of these first yeah. games, non-conference. So I mean, everybody wants to start out two and zero yeah. season. But yeah, for sure. I think especially with you know the tough test that's going to be coming up this weekend. Uh, of course, I mean we're going to talk about it Thursday, but with Michigan Tech coming to town and Western, there are two teams that lost a lot of their seniors, so it's going to be kind of a fresh start for them. But you know, as Miami team, they got. I, mean, I think do they have the Savage Brothers or is it just one of the Savage Brothers? Red Savage was there. Yeah, Red Savage. One of the best names in college hockey. Dude, that is such a sick name. Red it's not Savage. Even funny. That's so cool. I think he's like being scouted by the Red Wings too, isn't he? Is he? Uh, he's it's he's being or he's like on the scout for one of the one of the he's like on the scout for one of the NHL teams. I'll but buy that jersey. Regardless, I think especially seeing after that two two uh you know tie and especially winning in the shootout, I think if we won that one straight up, I feel like it probably would have been a little bit different. We would have had that momentum, but it's just Miami came out a little bit harder in that in that second game, and that's the only thing that was the difference. But I think it's not. Jump ship just yet. I think people no. are going to be saying like, "Oh, you know, Ferris State Bulldogs." We always say that we're going to, you know, going to get improved for hockey, and then we just don't. So, I think, especially probably next week and the week after, is going to be a pretty solid telltale of how the season's going to go. And I think it's going to go pretty well. I think, especially with, you know, Awa Glavin being the way it is, I think a lot of the students know that like we're going to be a little bit better this year. We had a lot more hope than we did two years ago compared to last year. You know, having. 11 more wins, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. We were Something a good like team. That. And I think, especially for this year, we're going to pretty much show it. But this first game, first games are always kind of the toughest ones to judge because, you know, you're knocking the rust off. It's not always the best gauge of how well the team's going to do this season. Because last year, what, we we split with them again? Last year we split with Miami? Uh, right? I want to say yes. I think, if I remember correctly, last year, that was Pokey's OT winner was yeah. the Miami game. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So we I think we got to split there. So I think we'll probably do pretty solid. Yeah, I think not you, that big a deal. You look at what uh, a lot of the the team did, and I'm, I mean Miami came out with uh, an intention of putting a lot of shots on the pipe. So, uh, and you definitely saw that throughout the both of these games, um, especially in the first game, 35 to 21. I think was the shots on target uh, in that uh, Saturday night opener. Um, mm-hmm. But I think our our I think really our penalty killed a great 0 for four, and we were putting a lot of tough spots. But mm-hmm. Stein had a great performance. Stein too. was fantastic, 33 saves, and that got him, I believe, Gliat goaltender of the week. So shout out to him. Um, and then I think really we we started getting a little more aggressive uh, on Saturday. But um, and I think really like the, the hardest part really was we had a lot of chances. Miami had eight infractions. We had six power plays, and we only got one. That was really one of the, gotta, the biggest yeah, differences. Gotta. We had chances. We just they they did a really good job on the kill. It almost looked like it was kind of just flipped the script. But uh, I think the pace that this team is playing and, and just the overall style is a little bit of an adjustment. So I don't think we're going to be high flying as much anymore. We're going to be a lot more. Um, I don't. I want to. I want to say strategic because that's not really the the right word. But 
uh, I wouldn't want to say stagnant either. It's kind of like in between where it's just smooth rhythm. It's not mm-hmm. going to be high-flying, dump, chase, flip, go, shot kind of a deal because we saw a lot of that last year. Um, and obviously, that goes with the game plan definitely in the, the position we're in the game. But uh, I think we're going to see a lot more methodical, uh, a lot more uh, setup plays, even on five on five, because we did a, a really good job, uh, especially on the uh, on the attack when we had numbers on penalties. But uh, I mean, we still need some some work to do, and uh, obviously now. Team knows what they got to do, and we're going to hopefully see all those adjustments this weekend, and we get two wins at Engelglaben against two top teams. That would be mm-hmm. the sweet. I'll tell opener. you what, CCHA looks to be wide open. Right? After the first week, you're kind of seeing some upsets, some teams that didn't play super hot. Minnesota State didn't play super well against University of Nebraska-Omaha, 7-2 loss, yeah. which was kind of a surprising one, especially seeing that they made the national championship game last year. St. Thomas might make some noise. I don't think a what? crazy amount, but they did only lose to St. Cloud, who was a playoff team, I'm pretty sure, last year, 3-1. to one. They were ranked for a good amount of last year. I know that. And then, I mean, Northern, 6-4 to four the on Friday, or sorry, on Saturday, right? Yeah, 6-4 to four on Saturday. They lost to Bowling Green. Yeah, I mean, Michigan Tech, they are kind of taking care of business. So I don't really yeah. worry about that. I'm not going to lie. I think you're going to see Tech take Michigan a step Tech, up. Yeah, I was going to say, Michigan Tech's probably going to, my early predictions for this season, Michigan Tech's probably going to win the CCHA. You could see Ferris kind of make a push for fourth, I'd say. And then I think you're going to see Minnesota State drop to like three, I think. Nah, we're winning the whole thing, brother. Okay, we're winning well, the whole thing. <laughs> no, no, no. We got to be we'll see the improvement for I sure. I think late state's always gonna late state. Lake, Lake state. state is gonna make a little bit of noise too. Yeah, I think there's gonna be a lot of shakeups ceiling, in this conference the ceiling this year. Is extremely high for us this year. I think so. The floor. I mean, it's the floor last year. It's the floor the year before. Yeah. But the ceiling. We got a lot of potential. I think that's true. I th- I mean, we did lose uh, some key guys last year. Um, senior wise, but I think we got in a lot of veteran leadership, especially in the transfer portal, which was huge. Yeah, it was big and time. A lot of these younger guys, especially on the defense lines, have gotten a lot more experience. Um, so I think they're going to be more geared up this season than they were last year, and especially during the COVID year. That's kind of when we got exposed a little bit defensively, but now we're kind of locking it in, and I think we can make some noise. So going to be fun this weekend. Friday we have Tech at home, 707, as well as Western on Saturday at 707. You can find out all those tickets and more at FerrisStateBulldogs.com. Anyway, over now to volleyball. Um, big wins, big wins. Um, Huge. I almost got my prediction right, Joe. You're just so off, close. Man. I You're was so close. Off. Almost had the clean six so sweet, but yeah, three six. and one and three and one. I'll yeah. tell you what. Still good. I still love, good volleyball. I love watching volleyball. Don't get me wrong. It's one of it's honestly one of my favorite things like one of my favorite sports to watch and work for for athletics. But it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a tough one when they don't go three oh because I'm sitting in a hard chair with no leg room. Right at, I don't know. We need to get better seats a little bit. At least for front row of those, like, uh, stadium chair ones in the yeah. arena. Because I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I got my knees on, like, a grate. And I got, like, <laughs> my, they look like waffles at the end because I got my just my knee pressed up in them, and I can't get them out. So. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I wish, like, I oh, guys, two pretty good games. They were two pretty good games. I think there was a lot that you could look from this game. Uh, I would have loved to have called these games because these sounded like they were very, very uh, intense. intense. Yeah, it's the word that comes to mind. Um, But it was still a fantastic, and we'll talk about the reason I wasn't there here in just a minute. But uh, definitely saw a lot of good things, Uh, I mean, especially – um, over this period, we, I mean, especially against uh, the Northern game, we went to four sets and only had nine errors. That, yeah, that's pretty huge. That's huge. Like, that is a big step forward. And Northern's a pretty, got, a pretty good team. So uh, I think you look at all where that was in, in that scenario of gold, or not gold, GLIAC championship, theoretically, at where we are right now in the standings, is these two, right? Mm-hmm. Top two teams, Ferris and Northern. This is the battle for the top spot. Both teams 6-1 and one coming in in the conference. Then you make a statement at home after beating them on the road. That's a huge momentum boost. And even though we started out uh, a little slow that first set, uh, I mean, they were really tight sets, but slamming the door in that fourth set, Mm -hmm. oh, my, they were lights out. Not a single error, 13 kills on 28 attempts. That's almost a 500 hit percentage. 500. You don't hear that number very often, and that's why I wish I would have loved to see that. I'm gonna have to rewatch that just to see that moment. But uh, Claire Nowicki, Cyan Fairfield, fantastic uh, as well. Emma Bleacher uh, leading in the points categories. Kaylee Matt was awesome as always. Setter mm-hmm. of the week honors again. Good things coming threes, I guess, um, for the 
uh, all Gliak setter. So congrats to her as well. And I mean, really just carry that over against uh, a really good tech team and uh, really just really just slam the door. I mean, we didn't play we didn't play as well as we did against Northern. I will say um, this, but we still just took care of business. We man. we won the fourth one mainly due because Olivia just slammed the door. Yeah, she, she like was great that every game. time that she had a chance to get a kill, it's like she just hit that thing and crit. She smoked a girl in the dome. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> really? She smoked her right I in the face. That. Yikes! I felt bad for laughing, but I did. Oh But that man. thing was, had to have been going like. The sound that it made when she hit the ball was huge, and then when it hit her face, it was even like basically the same like sound. Unfortunate. It kind of set the tone. I'm not gonna. <laughs> it, it set, set, it set the tone for the fourth for the fourth <laughs> set. It was pretty. I mean, it was a sick thing because that cousin was when the momentum switch. You know. Yeah, that's, that's the sound that it made. I can't imagine that, but yeah, I mean, it was great. We started off slower, uh, came out a little sluggish in that first set, but I mean, from yeah, it was there, weird. it was like a, it was a complete, in, it was a complete switch. Like first set for that one was like not the greatest showing, and then it was just like. I don't know what it was, but it literally was like Michigan Tech just took all of our bad plays from the first one and just did the same thing the second game. Yeah. And then we won 25-13 second set, and then we just kept on rolling. Yeah, just keeping the ability to take defense to offense, being efficient, playing clean, no errors, and the firepower of this team could take care of itself. We're yeah. seeing that all season long, and I think that's going to be a huge emphasis for this team moving forward. So and then we got a couple good ones on deck for this team um, coming up. So we're going to really see uh, what they're made of on the road, three straight home games, and then we're going into a tournament uh, for the Midwest region crossover in Hammond, Indiana. Um, but then we got North. So we got Northwood, Purdue Northwest, and then our friends from Allendale. GV, baby. So that's going to be coming up this weekend. So Northwood will have played. Um, to or it'll be technically yesterday when this episode comes out. It's at seven o'clock on Tuesday the fourth. So we'll give you all that highlights and recap uh, with a preview coming up on Friday's episode. So we'll get you all that information there. So big home stand uh, will be on deck after um, these slates of afternoon games, and your boy will be finally back on the mic to give you the action. I'm really looking forward. Uh, to getting that back again, so it's going to be fun. Mic. So I look, I really look forward to calling those volleyball games for how great our team is, how electric the atmosphere can be. I mean, we're in Wink Arena and it's still bumping. I mean, in some of these regular season, just um, just regular Gliac games. So you, when you got to bet October 28th, it's going to be bumping five o'clock. Our friends from Allendale coming uh, up north, so I think that's going to be a fantastic game. And then we'll obviously have Saginaw uh, and Davenport as well as Wayne, who's a good team as well, October 20th on Thursday. Um, and that game will be coming up later. So going to be a lot of good matchups here for volleyball, and we hope to see them keep the momentum rolling. One game at a time, Joe, right? Mm-hmm. There it is. One game at a time. So anyway, moving on over into the back half here of the Ferris State Sports Review. Uh, cross country was in action over the weekend and absolutely crushed it. I can say that personally with bias because I witnessed it. Uh, a lot of great performances at Lansing PRs for a lot of the young guys. Super cool to see all those results come in on the bus ride down. It was really a great, really great, promising, just a, a, just a pure joy for those guys because they put in the work your first month of getting on the grass and really putting a hammer down on college racing is a really hard adjustment. I went through it myself. I know everybody in my class and all the people before I've done it, and it's a tough thing to do. So I really give them credit. Now they're seeing the fruition of coming off of that hard work because this is this is one of the best hardworking teams that we've had in a long time, and that showed especially um, over the weekend for sure. But um, some great standout performances at Lansing for sure uh, and as well. As on the women's side as well, they had a lot of great performances all the way around. Jackson Helmer uh, led with a 27.09 8K time um, for the men's side as well. As the women's side was Abby Winkle with a 20.17 on the 5K. And you can find all those results online for sure as well as the Louisville results. And those were, oh my gosh, dude, I can't even describe to you how fun that was. Going back to Louisville and being able to run fast. First time I've ran it healthy since freshman year. So it really went well all the way around for a lot of these guys. We had a goal to get it. I think it was at least, I want to say we wanted to get at least four or five guys under 26. And we pretty much got almost seven 
in under 26 minutes. And that's one of the first times a program has done that on the men's side, um, I believe, since 2012, 10 years. It's one of the best performances we've had in a decade. So super proud of that, super proud of the guys for sure. Donis Harris put down a blazing time, 20 uh, it was registered at 2005, or excuse me, 2504. I didn't know if it was 2503 or 2504. It's 2504 technically, obviously, with the chip timing and all that. Uh, Noah Griffith, 2523. Myself coming in at 2544, as well as Nate Alford, Dan Hardesty, Brennan Kearney at 2554-5656, respectively as well as a Keith Wilson, uh, also named Kevin Wilson, 26-17, as well as Casey Bowman at 26-19, and Ryan Osaski in his first race in the Kentucky Bluegrass at 27-02. So a lot of great things on the men's side. The women's side as well um, did fantastic as well. Uh, definitely uh, a really fast race for them as well. Um, all the way across the board. I mean, it was just blazing over the week. It really just was so fast. And you got to see a lot of the gold races and the silver races. Some guys still hammering down some fast times. Um, so that was really cool to see. Whitney Farrell paced the women's side, 1844. Uh, Danae Feldspach, 1852. Uh, in second, followed by Milena Strauss in 1901 and Cindy Kubiak in 1902, respectively. And uh, rallying out, I believe, the top five. I might have missed one here. Uh, when I looked back at the results here, but I believe it would have been a, I would have, yeah, it had to have been, I don't know why it, it's not showing up here for a second, but uh, Mara Sweeney, there it is, 1943. I scrolled over it the first time I saw it. And then Daisy England at 1945 and then followed up uh, with a time of 2013 uh, was Diana Candela and Emily Pluff with 2013 and Jessica Durkee with a 2021 wrapping out the Bulldogs, um, finishing at the Louisville Blue 5K women's race. That is a mouthful. So there you go. There's all the times that I just rattled off, and I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little, my mouth's a little dry now, so we might have to get to a break earlier than expected, but uh, no problem. it was fast. That's all you can say. It was what Past we look forward to. weekend is what we like to see. No, it was great. So I know there was a lot of great things accomplished from both groups in this race and finished well team-wise as well. I think we were 16th out of like uh, almost 50 teams as well as the women's, who I think were, I believe, like 11th or 12th um, out of, I want to say, about 40 teams. So that's that's impressive. I mean, just, just going off of that alone, um, what, what just shows you how great both of these teams are and how much they put in the work and... I mean, now it's on to Lewis and keeping on moving. That's all you can say. So, anyway, finishing up Fair State Sports Report, shout out to Golf for uh, a great performance over the weekend. Uh, the women's, I believe, finished sixth um, at the Bing Biel Fall Classic. That's a mouthful as well. A lot of tough titles here, not going to lie, here for this uh, Fair State Sports Report. But uh, definitely good results there. We saw a lot of great golf uh, on display over at Finley for sure. Uh, Dana Stowski, uh stepped up once again. Elena Delarose as well. Uh, I believe we're 21st in the field. Um, and then followed by Lizzie Anderson, Elena Eldred, and Cameron Shannon um, with 160, 161, and 166 respectively in the two-day scores. Um, and, I mean, really just saw a lot of great things um, from this team as well. I mean, we're only trailing, I believe, Grand Valley as far as GLIAC uh, teams in this field, which – and again, they're the they're the ones we're chasing here. So, but we beat Saginaw, we beat Wayne State, a lot of these other Gleak competitors. So that brings a lot of confidence for your team moving forward, especially even with a lot of the shakeups and standings. Like, I mean, your number two taking the number one spot, four taking the number three. That just shows they got a lot of depth coming in on this team this year. Yeah, for sure, and especially seeing that and you know it's fall season, it's kind of a little bit of a preseason now. You're just kind of, you know, making sure that you're going to go into the off season prepared. Right. And especially seeing that, you know, you only are trailing only one uh, GLIAC team that can really give you some promise, especially seeing that, you know, it's going to everybody, especially in the GLIAC has the same offseason. It's going to be wintry. It's going to be cold. You can't get on the course. You know, you have to be indoors. And I think especially knowing that, like, you're playing really solid and the work has been paying off. And, it's, you know, especially what we have at Ferris, one of the best, uh, you know, facilities in the country you know, at our level. And I wouldn't even say it rivals a lot of D1 programs. I mean, not a lot of not a lot of programs have what we have. Um, so when you have kind of that much confidence, especially seeing that you're, you know, you're nearing the fall season as well as you know what you have to do for the off season as well as you have the facilities that can help you get better throughout the off season, 
I think that's a big thing, especially going into, uh, you know, this next, uh, was it last week of competition? They still got, yeah, they got the Bingville Fall Classic and they got the Panther Fall. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, they're going to be finishing up their round um, as we're recording Tuesday. So we'll get you that results um, for sure on uh, Thursday's recording Friday show as well as the men who are also competing um, in day two as well today. Right now they're sitting at sixth. Um, over at the Mohawk Golf and Country Club at Tiffin. Um, they're sitting in sixth right now. Um, and only, I believe, I want to say eight shots out of the top three podium spot and even uh, nine from second, who is Wayne State, by the way. So there's a good target for you to shoot for. And uh, Wayne hasn't shot very well here in uh, round three, so the Bulldogs might be able to make a run there. So we'll see how that finishes out. And hopefully these teams can uh, really dial it down in round three, build up the scoreboard like we always try to do and improve over these rounds and uh, really see some good golf here moving forward into, into the winter training. Mm, it's going to be sick. Going to be sick for sure. But that's all the Fair State Sports Review we got for you. I know it's a little longer than usual, but uh, we'll take a quick break when we come back. A little bit of college football, and Joe wants to talk some pool. We'll get into that more right after this. The MBSP is proud to partner with the people of Eagle Village Incorporated. Over 50 years of experience helping on changing the lives of youth, there are opportunities for you to be the next to make a direct impact, including plenty of positions available, including summer staff, internships, and more. For more information, visit eaglevillage.org. Eagle Village, where potential source. And we're back from the break. Going to hop into some college football. Brandon, some good games over the weekend, some pretty good ones, and as well as some kind of some coaching uh, mishaps, some realignments, whoever want to talk about it. Uh, but we're going to hop into the first big game of the week. was a pretty good one, a pretty well-anticipated one, NC State versus Clemson, 20-30. to 30. Clemson took it some big stuff on the line for NC State. If they won that game, they would have probably cracked the top five. Um but they just couldn't get it done, and Clemson was able to run away, not run away with it, but able to get away with the victory. Yeah, and this was a well-needed game for Clemson. They actually showed out um, in a way that we expected them to, um, and not maybe as ex- we expected to, if that makes sense, but uh, what I mean is we usually see Clemson as a high-powered offense. We usually see them as a team um, that has a lot of playmaking, a lot of speed, um, but they kind of they kind of really roughed up NC State physically like they really held him on the ground I think 42 yards rushing total uh Devin Leary was rushed on a lot of his passes he only had a 59 percent completion percentage some of the receivers made plays um but I mean DJ Ugalele looked really good uh as well on the ground and in the air he ended up Mm -hmm. I think having 21 completions 14 carries uh total I think if I did my math correctly 282 yards and three touchdowns he was good he was what we expected um him to be in this big game as well as Will Shipley uh was very efficient at times on the ground as well and and they just really paced the game I mean they started with the field goal I mean NC State was doing a really good job of matching but that second quarter uh I think with that touchdown right before the half and right out of the half that's what you queue up um for your team with the lead you take it in the halftime you get that big score when uh you really scored from one yard out uh and then that that big pass um, to get down the sideline, and then you end up scoring from there. I think that was, that was absolutely huge to get it a 20-10 game. And, I mean, NC State did a great job of matching. It was just that halftime, mm-hmm. Clemson was able to punch it in with execution before and after, and that was the difference in the game. Yeah, that's true. And I think Uyunglele played pretty solid. I mean, he didn't have the most yards, only 200. Usually he kind of hovers around the 250 area. But 21 for 30 in a TD is nothing to, take, to shake a stick at. And especially with him also having 14 carries for 73 yards and two rushing touchdowns, you know, that's one of his better games that he's had so far this season. Uh, just not in the air, but on the ground he had a pretty good one. Uh, you know, he made the right decisions. But I thought, especially going into this game, NC State just had a big, you know, task ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, going into Clemson, playing in in Death Valley is not the easiest thing. No. And I think especially with kind of what was on, at stake for them, kind of making school history with that, because when the last time they make the top five? Like a long time. 1960s or something like that. Something crazy. But I think for them, it just kind of seemed like, and not that the lights got too bright for them, but I think they just, like, a lot of people realize that Clemson is, like, not the team they once were, but they have definitely not fallen off. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of people were thinking is was that NC State was going to go into it and Clemson was a little overrated. But I think Clemson really showed their stakes here. Yeah, I think so, too. We saw a good football team finally um, for the, the last couple of years, but they were not to the standard of what we were used to, college football, playoff contender, playoff maker, all that sort of stuff. 
Um, but over the last couple of years, they just really kind of they kind of crapped the bed a little bit. So mm-hmm. being able to see them now at five and zero and making a move north uh, is really good for that program and Dabo Sweeney, especially now that you gave him that big extension to win these type of games. Um, so that was definitely good. But I mean, I think the biggest one of the biggest noise, Missouri, really shaking up Georgia and knocking them out of the number one spot. They didn't beat them necessarily. Georgia to come back uh, with a huge second half comeback. Um, to beat the Tigers, but I, it was enough that they showed Georgia has flaws, and Missouri really, really got to them a little bit, and, and now it's Alabama at the top instead of Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Not gonna lie, because I thought Georgia was like a pretty sold like what they they, they so were. Far, yeah, in like these first couple sold, of games, they were sold number one. Yeah, but I mean, they were they were controlling the tempo, especially that first half. They were really. That really tightened mm-hmm. them up a little bit. So, but try um, as you might, Alabama will always find a way to be number one. That is true. So, uh, unfortunate for Georgia, but uh, I mean, Stenson Bennett showed up uh, in that second half for sure. But I mean, it was really just so interesting how Missouri was just controlling that game um, in bet. the first half, and they were just hanging around. And I think, I think I was looking at Fanduel, with my roommate, because he was going to place a bet on this game, and it was like Missouri to win this game was like plus thirty thousand. Or something like that. Just Yikes. like a crazy mismatch. So if you put like twenty bucks on this game and cashed out early, good for you, man. Yeah. Good for you. You know more than we but do. Georgia just kinda especially that last second. I would have loved to kind of see an upset. Just see Missouri, you know, I always forget that they're an SEC school, to be honest. Yeah. But, you know, just for them to kind of not put themselves on the map, but just to be like, Hey, we're still here. Like we'll still be able to squeak out a few wins here and there. But you know, Georgia, especially this game, it kind of makes it so that it makes it look so a team that wasn't that looked like they had no vulnerabilities has a lot that they got to work on. Yeah, for sure. So some other notable games there: uh, Washington falling to UCLA. The Bruins now five and zero, taking down the Husky team uh, that took down Michigan State in their start of their slide, which is continuing to slide. Uh, I know mm-hmm. we had that argument on the last show, and I think uh, Joey called it. They looked bad, and they lost. That's a, that's a fact. So. Uh, that program does not look like they're in great shape right now. You talking um, about Wisconsin? Huh? No, Michigan State. Oh, Michigan State. Yeah. Wisconsin's sorry. in more shambles. Sorry, though. I was looking at I was looking at the UCLA game. But yes. Yeah, Wisconsin is in shambles, but Michigan State, man. Hey, all you people that say Mel Tucker's got Jim Harbaugh's number, he must have got a new phone because he <laughs> does not look like he's gonna. Be oh, able to do careful! We still got a couple weeks. Okay, here. well, this is you a don't tip- have Kenneth Walker to this bail is, you out. So this how is a typical Michigan State thing. How though? are How are you going? You don't just have Kenneth out. Walker to bail you out this time. Who are you going to rely on? They're just going to Peyton Thorn. They're just tanking these games so they can somehow beat Michigan and then call us little brother again. Even though we're going to mm. win four more games. Peyton Thorn so. is not a good quarterback. You expect him to lead you to anything? No. No, he's not looking good. I can tell you that. So I don't know. They might need a quarterback change, to be honest. Especially, <laughs> but do you make it this week? Against the Buckeyes. We, well, who are you gonna talk? Who are you gonna toss in for your quarterback after that? You're gonna toss in their backup. Who is even their backup? Noah Kim. <laughs> do you I, try it at the? Our backup. Our back. Our backup. Cade is better than their two. Their top two. David Orgy's better than their top two. Yeah, David Orgy's good, dude. He's gonna be really good. I I don't know. This is just a tough situation for Michigan State because they look so high powered. Mel they, Tucker came into a program where he was lucky that he had Kenneth Walker there. And then everybody was like, oh, Mel Tucker, Mel, Mel, Mel Tucker was, is like this great coach. Like he's like actually legit. And it's like, well, when you realize that he doesn't have the – like his recruiting abilities I feel like is not as good as what Jim Harbaugh has to be able to get like blue chip recruits. Oh, yeah, I could say. I could probably understand that. I would say that's probably – I could say that's accurate, yeah. But I think it's tough for I them like just the depth is not there. No, I don't think the depth is there. And, I mean, especially getting guys banged up has really hurt that team, especially now in these last couple of weeks. They got diced up in Maryland at mm-hmm. home against Minnesota. Now they're taking on Ohio State, so they're looking at a potential 2-4 and four mm-hmm. start to the season. They'll probably get back on track with Wisconsin, who now – is with an interim head coach. Paul Chris finally got fired after losing in dominant fashion to Illinois fighting a lion eye. Boy, that's a rough down low for that Wisconsin team. But I did say that Wisconsin fans need to chill out, and I guess now they finally got their wake-up call that they are not as good as they say they are. Uh, but then it's all slated for October 29th, Michigan against Michigan State and Ann Arbor. 
Going to be a fun football game for sure. Can't wait to see that. Tickets are as low as $210, according to ESPN right now. So you might need to fork up a little bit of your tuition money to go to that Jeez. game if you're interested. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll do that. Hopefully maybe you got a full rise so you can afford it. Yeah, that is true. I, it's, it's a tough one. but Ohio State's going to win that one by a lot, most likely. I think so, too, man. Crap ton. CJ Stroud and company looked really good against Rutgers, uh, and they continue to roll. Um, throughout this so far this season but Oklahoma falling to TCU another notable one TCU's really showed a little bit of Oklahoma's flaws defensively they're gonna have to figure something out Ole Miss taking down Kentucky um, in a more defensive front football game Ole Miss now seeing who, uh, dimensions I'm just gonna toss it out who tossed out the who tossed out the Kansas should be in the top 20 uh who you tossed did it out? you did hey, what what's that rank Brandon I didn't look it up what's that tell look, me it's well, 19 look it up. tell me it, it's is, it is 19 there you go you know what I said they're not at 15, 14, yeah. but at 19, 20, absolutely. Correct. Look where they're at. Correct. 19. Wait. I said last week. Now after this week, yeah, they are. Yeah, you they, said you said no. You said no. I no, said last put week. them in the top 25. Did you, okay, did you see who they played the first couple weeks, Joe? I doesn't matter. I knew that what they had in them. I knew what they had in Tennessee them. Tech. They're them dogs. They dude. beat West they might, Virginia. Rock Chalk Jayhawk is all I'm gonna say. You are <laughs> you are crazy. Tennessee put Tech. Can, put Kansas in the top fifteen now. Okay, now you're just being now you're just you're just rubbing the dirt in. But Kansas has turned around. They for played good. Tennessee Tech. They're gonna roll that game TCU. Didn't matter. They will be a decent West Virginia team, not a very good team. They beat a Houston. You tell me, J T. Daniels Houston isn't going to win the Heisman this year? Uh, absolutely not. Have you <laughs> seen how the way he's played so far? Absolutely he's not. Played for uh, seventeen. And then they beat colleges. Duke, who is a decent team, and then they beat Ohio State, who is a pretty you know, solid Iowa team. State. But they show Iowa that they played defense in this game, which that now gives me mm-hmm. this thing. They're a top and twenty-five they're gonna team. Take on TCU. Yeah. Gonna beat them. Move to the top fifteen. Gonna play Oklahoma. Beat them. Move to the top ten. Play Baylor, probably stay in the top ten. I don't think we beat Baylor. Again. Okay, top five most likely. But hey, if you they keep on rolling, Oklahoma State versus Kansas is gonna be a good game. Hey, you never good, know good, at good this game. point. So it's college game day going to Lawrence. Oh boy, that's huge. That's they gonna be fun for the, the program. Game, but that what is it? The first time they're going to Lawrence in like I think it's ever. Right? Yeah, I think it's ever. Been? I think it's ever. Maybe. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure. I think it is first time ever, though. But it should be interesting. That's going to be a game we're going to be sure to watch. And be sure you go watch YouTube. Just put up the best clip of that argument, ironically, Joe. So that's available on YouTube for all that are wondering what we're talking about. Just go over to YouTube, find our MVSP Best Bits, and you'll see the conversation that we are having mm-hmm. and the, the crazy talk Joe is bringing on. And now he can actually back up because they won Cause a they football did. game. So. He did. So that is true. They did win some. I'll give you that credit. So mm-hmm. Kansas 5-0, and and they got college game day. Think a lot of things rolling for Rock Hawk Jayhawk. But anyway, finishing out the show, Joe wants to talk some billiards here in his undercovered sports list. And this is going to be a fun one because I don't think you really have much professional coverage for really professional don't. billiards. But Back in the day, there was. There so was, ba- yeah, you're back right. In the day, it's like, kind of going backwards. Yeah, back in the day, there was some pretty heavy coverage on like ESPN2. Like, they would kind of cover the world changes. They used to have my favorite thing about billiards. I'll tell you this much. Pro billiards was the trick shot one. Oh, yeah. The trick shot ones were sick because you'd cool. have to, like, match the trick shots or whatever. So, like, that one was really cool. But I think billiards especially, like, no one really feels, like, thinks of it as a professional sport because it's just such a casual thing. Like, you see it in almost every bar. Like, you see it in a lot of different places. Like, all the rich people have pool tables in their houses. Whenever I would go over to a friend's house at a pool table, I was like, dang. I want they, a pool table. <laughs> they, probably got, they probably got cable here, too. <laughs> no, but billiards especially, like, back when I was a kid, like, I would watch that a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't, I'm going to have to like, kind of refresh myself on some of the names of the players. But, like, it gets pretty intense. I'm not going to lie. To see, like, how good these guys are at with, like, angles and, like, how good they are. Like, especially the women, too. The women get pretty intense. It's pretty sick. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think especially the international uh, level of competition in pool and billiards is crazy. I mean, they just had what the, the that Michigan Open. I just looked the Seabirds Michigan Open of 2022. And, uh, and and the winner, I believe, was from Singapore. Alyssa Siap, if that's uh, how he pronounces his name, um, beat Robbie Capito from Hong Kong. That was the, the, the final results of that tournament. So the international perspective of billiards, I think it's one of those sports where it's like, we take football so seriously because it, it's just so heavily played in America. 
where like billiards is kind of the same with like soccer. It's more of an international based sport that's kind of migrated over to us. So uh, I think it's really cool to see a lot of these international players, especially coming into play um, in the in the U.S. and I mean even coming to Michigan of all places for pool. I mean that's mm-hmm. just cool enough. And if, for those curious, it was over in Battle Creek at the old Kellogg Arena um, for those in that in this ten ball championship. So uh, I think there's a lot that you can see um, to be like kind of in, just flat out amazed. I mean we can all look on uh, TikTok. We can all look on. Uh, YouTube and find all these mm-hmm. compilations of what Joe was talking about, these trick shot competitions, like um, like the perfect break and all these uh, these crazy eight ball geometric just I don't know if there was displays. A t- it's Did just you know there's incredible. a ten ball pool? I didn't even know that. Yeah, there's ten ball. Eight ball, nine ball, and ten ball. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, different rules, different sports, and I think it just gives you even remember, more flexibility. Mm-hmm. I remember my fa- I remember the name now of my favorite of my favorite trick shotter for it, Mike Massey. I remember seeing Mike him Massey. as a kid. He was on ESPN's Trick Shot Magic in like 2004 and like five. I was just a wee lad, but at the time I could remember. I didn't know his name, but now that I've seen his face, it's that guy. He's insane. Like he, there was one where like he set up like a like a plastic football and like an upright, and he hit the ball into the football, and the football went through the upright. Like that's just sick. There's another one where like he that stacked up. He stacked up like the ball like ten feet or not ten feet. I feel like I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was like five feet or so off the table. Smoked that cue ball on the table. And just jumped right up, went through it, landed right on an eight ball, and then the eight ball went in the in the pocket. That was insane. That sounds more insane than I could even picture it to be. It was, ins- dude. How do you think? How do you think like five year old Joe felt when he saw that? <laughs> just. My mind was Brain blown. Explosion. My mind was blown. Yeah, the first guy that I think I I was introduced to in like professional billiards um, was uh, that guy. The Venom Trick Shots was his channel. Florian Kohler. Oh yeah, that guy. He's a dude uh, perfect. He was on with Dude Perfect, and that's how I was introduced to him. Side note: You could see all of those. And I think they've done two videos mm-hmm. now. Side note. Have you seen Dude Perfect World yes. or whatever? Yes. I think we need to talk about that for just undercovered thing next week or something because that place is insane. Isn't that nuts? That's, dude, we're going to have to talk. We're talking I'm about gonna next go, week. We're I kind of want to go week. there low-key. Me too. See what that's like. I remember, seeing, I remember seeing their first video. That was my childhood. When they were when they were in their backyard as college kids. Yeah. How they're building like a billion. Like, I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if it'll actually get built. Because they'll need, like, backers and, like, investors yeah. and all that stuff. And I don't think they have the money enough just by themselves to be able to do that. But, like, if you have not seen Dude Perfect, I don't know what that place is called. But is it called Dude Perfect World? Uh, I don't think it's called Dude Perfect World, but I know it's called, it's their new, it's going to be their new headquarters is what they're talking about. So what did that be, like, HQ3 now or whatever? Yeah. I remember um, when they got their first office and it was that small and I was like, this place is sick. Yeah, like, the it's just crazy to see. How these just famous creators in dude the sports perfect, world are dude just dude perfect up. plans a hundred million dollar headquarters and entertainment destination. Yeah, planned facility to include a three hundred and thirty foot tall trick shot tower, museum, restaurants, and more. Yes, isn't that nuts? It, it may be the equivalent of Disney World for dude perfect super fans. I don't know if it's gonna be. Isn't that, that insane? Big. I don't know if it can can it be that big? How no is it way. that YouTubers can make that much money? That's my question. That's yeah. insane to me. Now, if they have that, what does Jimmy Donaldson get with Mr. Beast? Because he makes a crap ton of he money. He makes double. Dude, I this has gone from pool to dude perfect. <laughs> it Mr. really Beast, has. I do want to say this There's though about Mr. Beast. There's not a whole lot with pool. I but do yeah. want to say about this about Beast. About Mr. Beast, I can't even talk. Yeah, I'm thinking a million miles a minute right now. He. Is an inc- he has a crazy mind for making money. He does. Because he has his main channel, his other sub- shoot-offs or whatever he does, and every single one of those is dubbed in like four or five different languages. And if you see those, all those make the same amount of views. So on one video that he makes, he has to dub it in like five different languages. He'll make like... Yeah. However much, like he'll get like twenty million views on like his Spanish channel. He'll yeah. get twenty million views on his Japanese channel. It's crazy. Yeah, you want to hear the, the subscriber count that he has? What is his it? His main one's one hundred five. Well, yeah, his main one's over a hundred million. One hundred five. Gaming's probably what thirty. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Reacts nineteen four. Shorts fifteen eight. Beast philanthropy ten point two, 
and then his second channel is 7.3. That's and I'm five pretty sure diamond s- golden buttons. Yeah, I'm pretty or sure the second buttons. one was just made for like live streams. Yeah. Like seven million people are the watching gaming his live one was streams. Smart, but what's his? I'm gonna look that up. What's his total? Sub- what is Mr. Beast total, total subscriber subscri- count? Subscriber with count. international, dude. I can't imagine. Is it even countable? Okay, across six channels, he has slightly more than 176 million. Right. Got, and most of those carry over. Three billion views. He's made an estimated like over f- almost 50 million. Or no, excuse me. Fi- yeah, 50 million, I want to say. He's made. And that counting like literally his like charitable work too. Dude's he's, where he's raised almost a hundred million for like teas, trees, and seas. He just gives away houses. He just does whatever he wants. He does whatever That's he insane. wants. Anyway, anyways, back to billiards. Back to uh, billiards. Yeah. What else? I don't know if we really can say anymore. I feel like we just like got on a train with Mr. Beast and all that stuff. Yeah, I think with like, can you imagine a billiards player getting this amount of success to reach that level? Like, I don't know. It's just really hard in the in the playing field. But mm-hmm. I mean, they're still making. Oh, like they're still making thousands and thousands and thousands. I feel like once they get to the main level, it's a couple. They might make a cool like couple hundred thousand. Oh yeah, I would say so. I wonder if they almost get more from doing those videos. Mm. Like, would you? I would probably do. I'd be curious to see if like Kohler makes more money doing trick shots with pool more than competing compared to some of these top level competitors. Let's do. Let's do some math. What's his name? Venom. His name is Florian, Florian Kohler is his name. Florian. He's from France. And he's, I believe, an optometrist is his actual really? occupation. He has a mill. He has a cool milli for his subscriber Does count. he really have a mill? That's crazy. He has uh, one mill. And his, eight years ago, one of his videos got 60 million views. That sounds right. He has like 60, 28, 22, 14, 9.1. He's kind of raking it in. His previous ones are, he's more gone to shorts, which are... Still doing pretty solid. They're getting like a couple, couple thousand each. But yeah, he was. I don't the, know when the last time he was the uh, actual video. The MVP of uh, the 2012 China Trick Shot World Masters, mm-hmm. and he w- he's like a Guinness World Record holder. He's broken like ten Guinness World Records. I want to say uh, he mm-hmm. won like a world uh, jump championship in billiards in Houston in like 2019 or 2018 or something like that. Uh, he like he just makes a ton of money. It's just crazy to think like. Some of these guys, like painting professionally for billiards, might not be able to compete with just the mm-hmm. the allure of trick it's shots really, on the internet. And that's the one thing too that I've noticed that a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the big names like Bryson has done it, and like a couple, I've seen a couple others do it. Like Kisner, Kevin Kisner's done it. Yeah, and golf. But like, yeah, they have kind of done more like video making along with what they do for. I mean, especially for them since they make so much money, it's probably more like hobby like, but. For a lot of it, like that's really like a really cool thing for like yeah. these like professional athletes and stuff and professional players that may play the, these lesser known sports. Like if you just did like videos for that, like that's another nice little paycheck coming in. Yeah, I think it's the world of sports entertainment has changed drastically. So that's almost as more desirable uh-huh. than actually competing professionally. It gets yeah. a really nice side gig uh, too while you're doing it, or especially after you're doing that's it. That's true. So. The landscape's changing, Joe. It has it with really marketing, is. NIL, competing. We're talking about Dude Perfect a little bit more Monday. Okay, or next Tuesday for All right. undercover because technically they're sport and they're athletes. Mark that down. We'll Mark talk about down. that. Um, and all of that sort of miss is nesticity is a word that came just came to mind. I don't know what to say from this <laughs> point out. So we might want to end the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe at the MBSP uh, on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you're on. All 10 of them that we're on and uh, especially our YouTube channel as well. You can find that as well as social media on our Instagram and Twitter pages at the MBSP. We thank you all for tuning in to especially these long episodes because we love bringing you guys this unique content. Sometimes we just get on a ramble and you can't help it. That's true. I hope they like it. I hope so too. But take care, everybody.